Hello and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. This week is episode 31, The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, please check out the website www.goldenagehorror.com for more information. So, The Fall of the House of Usher, 1960. Okay. It's a price. Roger Corman. Old Castle. Old Castle. Uh, some great other characters, assorted other characters. Mm. Handsome, my uh, handsome guy. Handsome guy number one. <laughs> shouting lady number one. Shouting, shouting lady number one, and the um, actually only four four character four actors in this movie. And then old man. Yeah, those four people are the entire old the servant. Cast. Old servant guy. So that'd be Mark Damon as Philip Winthrop. That's handsome guy. Um, Myrna Fahey as Madeline Usher, and Harry Ellerby as Bristol, the manservant to the Usher family. Yeah. Those are I. I'm mean, just realizing now that those are like very much these staple characters. Like mm. they have those four, and then sometimes they have extras. I think you can probably blame. Well, no, I guess you can't really blame Edgar Allan Poe for that, can you? <laughs> no, because sometimes they're adapting like five line poems. Yeah, I mean, in the, I think it's been a while since I read House of the House of Usher, but I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't think there's a manservant in it, unless I'm mistaken, and I think. I mean, I'm almost positive that uh, the love interest thing isn't happening, and he's like, he's friends with Roderick Usher. Okay. Is the, 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 oh, the yeah. unnamed protagonist. And I don't think there's any kind of relationship between the sister and him. That's just the thing they've doing every. Yeah, it's, there's always guys coming over in love with Richard Price's sister. Yeah. Was that, that was the Pendulum as well, right? Yeah, I feel like that's that was definitely the Pit and the Pendulum. I'm sure there's like that's almost all of them in which Vincent Price is his sister this is the uh, first of this, these AIP movies oh so this is a trendsetter then yeah this is a trendsetter I believe you can tell because um, it actually doesn't have it doesn't necessarily have the um, after this movie they dialed up the gothic horror and this is one of the more subdued ones yeah so like this one doesn't have like the Mask of the Era Death is just like one atrocity after another whereas this one doesn't um, although uh, Madeline is chained alive there's not like it's not like the Pit and the Pendulum where there's like the whole Iron Maiden and then the also, Pit and the Pendulum there's just more yeah, there's okay. more stuff they dial it up as they go cause that also has well that's also like the same that's like five characters in that one right cause there's Vincent Price his sister the man who's in love with her then Vincent Price's buried ex-wife, and then the manservant is replaced by a doctor. Yeah, who turns out to be one of the villains. Yeah. Um, I should also mention this. Um, this script is written by Richard Matheson, who's a somewhat famous horror movie writer. I mean, horror um, fiction writer. Okay. He actually, most famous, I guess he's most famous for I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. The novel. About the vampire and how man is the real monster. Yeah. Later famously turned into the Omega Man. And then later, <laughs> later also famously turned back into I Am Legend. But first, it was actually first adapted by... Um, well, I don't know who it was adapted by, but it was first adapted to screen with, as yeah. The Last Man on Earth. With Vincent Price, right? Vincent Price. <laughs> so maybe at some point I'll watch that one. But um, So do you want to do the uh, summation, or do you want me to do the summation? Well, let's see. Let me see if I can remember this. This one was a little while ago. The yeah, we did this a couple weeks ago. The summation for this one was basically... Um, so, Vincent Price is hanging out. The, the House of Usher is in disrepair, both, like, 
metaphorically and quite literally. And then he thinks his sister's going crazy because she's got the, the Usher curse. He locks her up and she gets out. And then at some point they, they like all die. And the house falls down. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone gets out. Handsome guy might get out. Handsome guy does survive, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Madeline... Uh, the the what, yeah oh because they go really crazy and then um because she attacks him in his bedroom while everything's burning down yeah and then they just get caught in the blaze right and and, the uh, man servant's probably there and he probably gets hit by a falling beam and then it's just forgotten about yeah I don't remember how he dies <laughs> I mean that sounds like how, like how he would die yeah he just like laid down and waited <laughs> <laughs> like you, you know like when buildings are burning down in movies there's that beam you know yeah the fire beam that falls down um, yeah, if you remember, uh, Madeline was said to be dead, but turns out she was buried alive, and there was, like, a thing where, like, she was actually cataleptic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. But I thought there was an implication that Vincent Price knew oh, that yeah. she wasn't no, dead. Oh, yeah, no, I think that was, that was more of an implication. Yeah. Because the, if you remember, the butler was, like, let it slip. And oh, yeah. got all, like, oops. <laughs> she might be alive. Oopsies. Um. So I do like this movie. I like the fact that Vincent Price has got his hair dyed blonde. He doesn't have a mustache. Yeah. It, oh, right. Yeah, that was that was a shock to the system when you first saw him. I like the whole thing that he's doing. The whole, like, I can't, don't, don't talk too loud. Take your <laughs> shoes off. Everyone be quiet. Don't, no. Just, just gruel for me, thanks. Don't talk about my mustache, please. I don't like any salt in my food. <laughs> I like that whole, that whole thing. Um, but I like the whole idea of uh, this guy trying to, like, end his cursed family line. I think it's a funny sort of old-fashioned notion. Yeah. Um, I really like the paintings. Yeah. Movie. Those are, the paintings are very good in this movie. Yep. They're, like, very abstract. They're, they're sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a metaphor because they're pictures. Impressionistic? Impressionistic, yeah. Because each of his, you know, ancestors were struck down by a specific vice or like yeah. they did specific things and each portrait is meant to reflect the inner demons of each of his pre- previous ancestors yeah and it creates like a striking setting to an otherwise like another one of these castles it's a lot of these castles they all kind of look the same I guess I'm not like castle savvy enough that I can tell castles apart no, I mean, I mean, this is actually... I don't think this is supposed to be a castle. This is supposed to be a... Uh, I think it's actually also set in New England. Okay. This is a manor house of some kind. Oh, okay. Like an old family estate. I Forgive me if I haven't seen any lar- that many large stone buildings. Houses. Well, I don't think this is the stone either. I thought it was stone. No, I don't think it is. Because it's like the stone was crumbling on the outside. I thought the, the shingles were crumbling. No, it was like a giant crack in the side of the stone wall, I thought. Uh, I, I don't remember that being stone. I thought it was a crack in the foundation. It might, it might be both. Yeah, it probably is. Why is the house without down? Like, it gets struck by lightning, right? Yeah, but it was just, there was something wrong with it to begin with. It was cursed. And it had a really big crack in it that no one was fixing. Yeah, also it was just being neglected. <laughs> they were just like, oh no, that's a curse. <laughs> that's not... Yeah, I mean, that's... That's sort of the Mark Damon's character in this movie, Philip, is just like constantly like, no wait, just eat or stuff. No, it's a curse. Fix your house. (laughs) 
But it's a curse. Go outside, get some sun. But the sun is a curse. Yeah, everything was just... It's, yeah. They just, like, refused. The ushers just kind of... They just resigned to their fate of being cursed. Yeah, Roderick, I think that was the... Roderick's character was just, like, consigned to dying and and dragged his sister down with with a psychosis. Or he's like, well, I can't do all these bad things if I just don't do anything. Right. I'm defying my curse by just, like, kind of laying on my bed all day. Playing the mandolin. Yeah. I think he plays the harp, maybe. I don't remember. Or, no, it was it was it was the lute. Was it a lute? It was the one with the big, the big, the big bottom. That fat bottom string instrument. You know what I'm talking about? Could be a lute. I thought that was a lute that's got the big. He just kind of sits around. He paints too, I think. Yeah, he's just he's just a very like uh, a feet artist. Yeah, he's just like he's very in touch with his feelings. Under the low-budget circumstances, Vincent Price and Myrna Faye should not be blamed for portraying the decadent ushers with arch affectation, nor Mark Damon held to account for the traces of Brooklynese that creep into a stiffly costume impersonation of the mystified interloper. <laughs> that was funny. I usually don't pay attention to their accents. Yeah. Their accents are vague, vague understandings of accents, of what accents should sound like. I mean, these are, um... Yeah, at least this one's set in America. It's not like set in Italy or something. You know what? I didn't. I would never have known. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you eventually told me, like, oh, it's set in Germany, I'd be like, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It could. I mean, it could be. There's really no reason why. It, it could be set anywhere. Yeah, literally anywhere. I mean, you assume it's some kind of Western country because of, you would, the, of the dress and. Uh, you would assume that, but like, it was set in Spain. They didn't look very Spanish. They didn't look very Italian. It was set in Italy. Yeah, but you could assume it would be like, if it was somewhere in Spain. I, I think it could pass for somewhere in Spain. I guess so. I don't those are costs. Those are costs people could conceivably wear in Spain, <laughs> and the house could conceivably be built like that in Spain. Those, those things happen. Yeah, it's not so. There's not. There's no way you could pass that for China. You know what I mean? Or, or I, New Guinea. I mean, maybe. They're just like, oh, this. that's some real gymnastics that you're doing. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm not the one who's doing. I'm just, you know. Calling the gymnastics, like I see the gymnastics. So here, here also uh, the four. Um, Wikipedia confirms the thing I said about the unnamed narrator is Roderick's friend, not Madeline's fiance. Okay. Also, three other differences: uh, Bristol is not mentioned in the story. Bristol being the manservant. Okay. Um, Madeline does not attack Roderick, but falls on him, and they instantly die. <laughs> right. And the house does not burn, but breaks in two before sinking. It does kind of sink. Also, still. It does. That was, well, the idea was that the, the cursed land that, on which nothing grows is reclaiming the house. Yeah. And she does fall on him. But <laughs> he dies. Yeah, I would have to read the story. I do remember I like the story. It has just been maybe four years since I read it. And he probably wrote it a bit differently. And so it was just a, And then she fell on him and they both died. Yeah, I don't, that doesn't sound like Poe. <laughs> no. What if uh, no Poe would be more like and then and then Roderick she ejaculated as she fell onto him and then they both died. Roderick she ejaculated. Um. This movie was shot in fifteen days apparently. Oh wow. That's that's eight more days than I thought. There's really not that many actors. No, this is actually a very light film. I guess like there's not much to it. Uh, it's it's like. Very, um, sort of like 
you could see it as a stage play almost. Yeah. Because just because the amount of actors and the, the sets are no. sort of sort of samey. Like there's, I mean, there's some distinct dis- distinction between them, but really it could just be two sets. The distinct thing is usually a prop in each thing. Yeah, they're just meant to be different rooms, but there's no reason why they couldn't just be like. There's like you have the casket room, then you have yeah. the bedrooms, then you have the painting room, and then I guess the kitchen, and then. Yep. But all those are like defined by a casket paintings, like gruel. And a painting in like some beds. You don't really need the fixtures on the walls or. Yeah, I mean, the, the sets I think are fine. They're good. I mean, yeah. The thing with these Corman Poe movies is they all have sort of like similar. Uh, castle. Yeah, the similar castle, but they have this real '60s, '60s impersonation of, of a period drama thing going on with yeah. their, their set design, their costumes, which I find uh, I like. That sort of like uh, the kind of thing I, w- I would imagine like masterpiece theater, or th- is that what I'm thinking of? Maybe something on like I I have vague memories of PBS when I'm younger and seeing like people in like period garb acting theatrically. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something that's going on here. But also I like that like there's a lot of like purples and greens in these movies. They're like and a lot of like over the top fog and <laughs> everything's just like dialed up a little. It's just this level of unreality that settled over everything. That, like, it's just fog, fog, fog everywhere. Yeah, and green lights, like because everything's like strangely lit and uh, the shadows are all. It's like I guess it's like a sort of a callback to like German movies from the twenties, but um, like intentionally or just coincidentally. Well, I don't know if they were trying to do a callback or not, but I do think they're probably trying trying to go for the same effect. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, convergent design, then. Yeah, convergent design. Like, Cabinet of Caligari or something like that. They're trying to create... Well, they're definitely... In Cabinet of Caligari, they're definitely going for unreality. Right. But they're trying to create drama with, like, the long shadows and the... And the stark makeup and things like that. Where in these movies, I think they're also... They're trying to create a dramatic effect. But, like, a different kind of I, drama. I, I can't say that they... That I, I, I mean, I can't speak to the attention of right. these people, but... I don't necessarily think they were going like for like a practice on reality. Like, they were going for just going to like make it more dramatic. Yeah. And more like just just making it more exciting to look at. More, more visually th- interesting. More thrilling for maybe yeah, more thrilling. Get get your, get your thrills. Yeah. Trying to up the number of thrills and chills you get. Mm. I would like to see these movies. It would have been nice if they had used the same like color effects as they did for Doctor X on these movies. I think that would be perfect. We what? Remember the movie Doctor X? Yeah. And that movie's like four colors or something like that. Because okay, it was yeah. like a really early Technicolor movie, or yeah. it was not a Technicolor, it was some other process. But it's like it's the same like everything's really green and purple in that movie. <laughs> and I think that would work really well with this like these movies if they had been colored in a similar way. Yeah, but definitely give them a different flavor to them because right now the, it looks very much like theater. Yeah. It's got a very theater vibe to it. Yeah. It feels very stagey. Yeah, despite all the purples, it just like it does. It does feel kind of like. Well, that's like kind of stage style because you know you you only have so many lights to work with. Mm, that's true too. Which maybe that was the maybe that's the key right there. Maybe they were going for anything. They just only had four lights. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they did make it in fifteen days. Yeah. yeah. You just kind of got you kind of got to just go with it. So, um, this is uh, the last of the Poe. 
No, I think we're going to do one more Corman Poe movie after this, uh, possibly The Raven, but I think we're going to do the type Tomb of Lygia okay. at some point after this, and that would be the last Corman Poe movie. All right, and that also Vincent Price, or the, no? Not the last Vincent Price movie we'll do. But it is Vincent Price, Co- Poe, Corman, yeah, Price. Yeah, Vincent Price is in that one as well. Yep, and I believe... Poe, Poe, Co. I, we may do The Raven at some point, I'm not sure. It uh, just doesn't feel like a horror movie to me. It's not a horror movie, I like it. Yeah, it is a fun movie though. It does have Boris Karloff and Richard Price in it too, so it's sort of and, like. And um, doesn't it have it's Peter Lorre and Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson, there he <laughs> yeah. is. And Hazel Court. Oh, and she's from uh, The Mask of the Red Death and a bunch of Hammer movies as well. Oh, okay. And it's also got those wizard battles. It's also got that sweet wizard battle. I have some socks that uh, someday I'd like to sell. One foot has Richard Price. One foot has Boris Karloff. Doing, doing little finger twinkles they at do each other. Finger twinkles at each other. Vincent Price has a wry smirk on his face. It's actually the same um, sort of wizard duel that's in the Sword and the Stone, the Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> Later repurposed it by uh, Neil Gaiman and the Sandman. I don't remember if you the Sandman goes to uh, hell yeah. in one of the early movies and like one of the early issues rather. Right. And it's to face off with a demon and they're just like like uh, turning into things at each other. Okay. And it, but it, I mean it ends a little differently. It ends with um Morpheus turning into like a disease or something like that, or no, he turns into entropy. Yeah, okay. I forget what exactly what it is, a, but a very high concept. Yeah, but um, it's the same sort of like idea of the wizard duel, not as like the Harry Potter thing where they're like shooting lightning bolts at each other, where or they like have the dragons thing, but where they're like where they have guns, but the guns are actually just shaped like sticks. Yeah, it's more like it's that thing where the wizards are like it's a battle of wits they're trying to outsmart each other but it's a battle of wits with some kind of like visual effect going on. I, although I think there is some lightning bolt shooting in that movie isn't there or are they just turn, throwing puppies at each other they're just kind of like they're throwing gargoyles at each other and they turn the gargoyles into puppies yeah yeah yeah. and there's not really much action so much as like little finger twinkles and those zooming menacingly on something yeah. off screen well it is too like a, like a man in his mid, <laughs> mid to late 40s or early 50s and a man in his 60s sitting in a chair staring at each other <laughs> So I imagine that must have been a lot of fun to film. Mm. A lot of post-production there. But yeah, that was a good... That was, I'm glad we just did three minutes on The Raven. <laughs> it fits in nice with the fall. I see with the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, it, well, it fits in like the minimalist feel. Like That scene is very like minimalist, much like the Hall of, fall of the House of Usher. It's like, you know, small for cast, character cast. Mm. It's a simple plot. They're, going cur- they're cursed. They want to get uncursed. And then they, in a way... They do get uncursed. Yeah, so I guess, like, I guess it actually makes sense for us to cover the Raven because we've done all the other. Yeah. Poe, Corman, uh, Poe, Corman, Price movies. Purpico. Yeah, Purpico. And even one that was uh, Lovecraft, Corman, Price. Yeah. But, um. With a little Poe dash in there. Yeah. Just, just a hint of Poe. So what do you think of the Fall House of Usher? What's your verdict? It's alright. It's alright. It, okay. Like especially seeing it after like the rest of them, it just looks like it has all the pieces of the rest of them, but like not as impressive. So what is your favorite of the three so far that we've watched? Probably the Mask of the Red Death. Yeah, I would agree with you there. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. The Mask of the Red Death is one of the it's probably one of the best harmonies of the sixties. It's got like it's definitely got the most sort of like there's a lot going on and there's a lot it's like it's the most visually appealing thing. Mm. 
and now, now I'm realizing that all those Mass of the Red Death guys are just like Seventh Seal knockoffs. Yeah, they're definitely seven Have, having just seen the Seventh Seal. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's what that's what they are. I mean, he had just seen the Seventh Seal. And he liked it. Like he, they're literally playing chess. Yeah, he, no, there's they there's the same costume. They say yeah. everything's the same. There's <laughs> no question. He just read. But I mean, the Seventh Seal is just death anyway, right? The guy in the Seventh Seal. Yeah, he, he is death. Yeah, he's, he's literally death. Yeah. So they were just. That the Swedish people can make a movie with one death in it. What can the Americans do, Andrew? They can make a death of every color. Right, and they have color to work with. Yeah, that's right. So, and... Yeah, Seven Seal just had death, and they had red death. And I, wish, death. Uh, I wish Max von Sydow was in uh, The Mask of the Red Death, though. He's, he's the knight from Seven oh, Seal. He yeah. also plays being the merciless in Flash Gordon. Right, I had to look him up because I knew that name sounded really familiar. He's in some other stuff. He was just in Star Wars, actually. Yeah, I think that's where I heard his name recently. People are like... What is Max von Sydow doing in Star Wars for like a throwaway scene? Yeah, well, they just want to give him a cameo. Yeah, because he's making the merciless. <laughs> he, I mean, he'll be making the merciless to me forever. That's that's the, that's that, the Max von Sydow role I cherish. That <laughs> you're saying you didn't grow up with a lot of Swedish cinema? No, I did not. I did grow up with Flash Gordon though. Yeah, so that maybe maybe there's a weird maybe there's maybe there's a message to be found somewhere in the Master of the Red Death's like appropriation of. The Seven Seals' death. What's that? What's the message? I don't know yet. It's just something about like the way those movies are made. Just like let's just take these ideas and pop them into make yeah. and, and pop them into these movies that we crank out. Like they, they kind of make sense in the context of the movies, but like it's like the paintings in Father House of Usher. They're really cool, but it's just like they're not given as much attention as they as mm. you know they should be for how impressive they are. They're just kind of like a cool visual effect. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I guess when you make a movie this quickly and it's so small of a budget, yeah, like you just like. I think I guess think their strategy is just to come up with as many cool things as they could. Yeah, could and just like jam them in there as fast as possible. And then, like <laughs> as far as like stealing, they were like, yeah, we'll steal if we have to. We just gotta yeah. finish this movie because you know, Seven Seals Death is like you know it's a long meditation on like the meaning of death and like questioning you know the questionability of faith and all that. And it's like he looks cool, and he kills everyone at the end. Yeah, I mean, they. I think maybe they wanted to like kind of touch on that a little. They want. They want to be smarter than they are. I mean, the Master of the Red Death does sort of like touch at that. It does more, they, than, they, more than the rest of these movies. They do. grasp. They grasp for it, but they just like don't have time, skill, or energy enough to do so. Right. Whereas I'm sure uh, Bergman or had had time to like nail down his script and things like that. Yeah. Like this was probably like a probably a few months to. From conception to finished product. Right. <laughs> I mean, if they did follow the house Archer in 15 days. Yeah. They sh- I mean, they shot it in 15 days. I mean, they maybe, maybe they had a couple more weeks to do the script beforehand. You're right. And, like, you know, a little bit of editing afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, good old Vincent One Take Price is probably not, doesn't have to worry about that. Right. Right. Yeah, that's follow the house of Usher. It's follow the house of Usher. Thanks for listening to episode 31 of the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. You can visit www.goldenagehorror for more information, articles, and show notes. Uh, ebook is out on Amazon. It's called All God This Here. It's 99 cents. If you like the podcast, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. If you don't want to miss an episode, join our mailing list. Or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash allgodthisyear. Follow me on Twitter at The Water Method or Andrew at Pizza Pranks. You can visit pizzapranks.com for more Andrew-related information. Our theme music is the Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. Next week we're talking about... I mean, sorry, next month, we're talking about the Witchfinder General. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.
Thank you.